Welcome and thanks for listening. This is your Nebraska Judicial Branch. Welcome back. This is your host, Gene Cotter, and today I am joined by Kelly Riley, the Director of the Office of Dispute Resolution. Kelly, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Okay, so I need to be honest with you. I, like probably a lot of our listeners, are thinking, what exactly is the Office of Dispute Resolution? So in 300 words or less, could you just give us kind of the thumbnail version of what ODR is, and then we'll get a little more in-depth? So the Office of Dispute Resolution, what we do is we work with mediators across the state and specifically centers that have been approved by the office to help people when they have disputes and disputes in all sorts of different um, areas. It could be parents developing a parenting plan. It could be small claims. It could be neighbor-neighbor. Um, and it's really interesting where how ODR got its start. Why don't you like take us through that? When you say how we got our start, what start? So back in the 1980s, Nebraska had the farm crisis. And Obviously, that was a very tough time, both for bankers and for farmers. And they found out that they, there was a group that came together and they tried mediation. And it was actually very successful with uh, the bankers and the farmers coming together to, to come up with uh, how to address the, the financial crisis. And they had somebody helping. And they're called a third-party neutral is what a mediator's essentially is. And once that went through and the success that came from that is how we came about having the Dispute Resolution Act, which was passed in 1991. So you said a little bit ago that we have these mediation centers, these resources available to us across the state. You have partners out there. Where are these mediation centers located? So the centers are located throughout the state and they have geographical areas so every county is served by a center and if anybody wants to know which center serves them we do have a map and a roster on the judicial branch website under the mediation program so kelly i know your office is heavily influenced by the parenting act can you tell us just a little bit about what the parenting act exactly is Yes, yeah, so the Parenting Act sets up um, specific guidelines for who can be mediators, so the educational requirements and the approval process, but also with how parents can locate a Parenting Act mediator. So one of the things that the Office of Dispute Resolution does is they keep a roster of those Parenting Act mediators, and that's available on the Judicial Branch website. And what's nice about it is it's searchable. So you can search for just your county. So for example, if you're in Cherry County, you can put in Cherry and it will bring up the mediators that are available in your area. And while there might not be an individual Parenting Act mediator, um, it will always refer you back to that center. So every citizen in every county does have access to a Parenting Act mediator, either a private or through a center. So just so I'm crystal clear and so everybody else is crystal clear, we talked earlier about these six mediation centers located across the state. But if I heard you correctly, these Parenting Act mediators are not necessarily affiliated with the six 
geographical centers. Is that accurate? That is correct. So the centers do have their own Parenting Act mediators, but there are also individuals that are Parenting Act mediators. And they might mediate privately, but also with a center. And there's also another little wrinkle in Douglas County. They have the Douglas County Conciliation and Mediation Service. So in Douglas County, most of the Parenting Act cases will go through that um, office and then out to a mediator. Are there certain types of cases that are specifically applicable to the Parenting Act? Yes. So basically child custody cases. So when parents need to discuss parenting time and talk about vacations and transitions and all of those things, all of those components of a parenting plan, those are the the type of cases that are Parenting Act cases. Kelly, is mediation voluntary? Is it court ordered? Is it, you talked about the wide range of applications for mediation, but is this something that I can do or something I have to do or both? It's both, but there's a little bit of a uniqueness to that. And the reason I say that is because there are times, especially with parents with parenting plans, where the court will say, I want you to attempt mediation because they've come to court and they don't have a parenting plan. And Nebraska is very forward thinking and they know that who are the most knowledgeable about the family? It's the parents. So if they've come to court and haven't developed a parenting plan, the judge may order them to mediation. So in that sense, it is ordered and required. However, it's also somewhat voluntary because you are never ordered to come to an agreement. You have to attempt the process, but you never have to agree to something that you're not comfortable with. And that's sort of the bottom line of mediation is having that control over any agreement that's made. So if there's something you don't like, you don't have to agree to it. When you say parenting plan, is this generally something that's developed as part of a divorce proceeding? Is it maybe parents were never married and so they're just trying to work out visitation and custody and those types of things? Are there other ways that you come into needing a mediation center to help you develop a parenting plan? So right, the relationship between the parents doesn't really matter. They could be married and then getting divorced. They could be legally separating. They could be never married. But again, yes, it's when you have children and you need to come up with a plan. What is the best way for us to raise these children and give them a safe environment? And one of the things, and it's very common because you asked about visitation. So in mediation, language is huge. And so we usually call it parenting time. Because if you think about visitation, it's, you know, you visit somebody, but with your children, you're parenting them. You're not visiting them. So that's a big piece of it is just talking about the language. Is any agreement that you come to during mediation process, is it legally binding? Is it something the court certifies? Is it something that the parties sign off on? How does that work exactly? So it depends on the type of an agreement. So a parenting plan, that is submitted to court. So then the court signs off. And so, yes, it, it's something that the parents have to follow. But again, there's a little bit of a caveat because what we tell parents is even though you have a parenting plan, a lot of times you can put that in the drawer because if the parents can agree to something else, they don't have to specifically follow that plan. That plan is when you don't agree, how do you do it? The parenting plan is your guide. 
So in that essence, and yes, the judge does accept it as part of the order. For other things, two people can go to mediation and come up with an agreement, sign off on it. And then if somebody doesn't follow through, then if they would go to court, they could present that as evidence. So that's how that could be used. So mediation is something that is or could be part of the court process, but it is also a tool that potentially could be utilized to avoid involvement in the court process as well. Very much so. And and there are times that people will attempt mediation because they want to work it out themselves, but they know that they're having a hard time communicating so that mediator can help them with that communication and the negotiation. So understanding that you don't have a table full of data in front of you, what percentage of the time in your estimation is mediation successful? Actually, we just went through our annual reports, and so I was looking at those statistics, and it's right around the 70 to 75% range of when people come to the table that they reach an agreement. But the bigger piece is that when the people come up with an agreement themselves, it's more likely to be followed because they've been a part of that. So when they have that ownership, and there's also what we call reality testing when you're developing the agreement, and because they've been part of that, you know that the agreement can be carried out, and they want to carry it out because, again, they've been part of making that. Okay, so as long as I'm making you come up with stats off the top of your head, what percentage of the time does the mediation process like not reach that amicable agreement at the end where one party or both parties say you know what this just isn't working I'll see you in court and they get up and walk away um yeah I don't have that statistic off my head but it does happen because again that goes back to that voluntary piece that it's okay if they don't come to an agreement and the other piece you know sometimes they come to a full agreement sometimes they come to a partial agreement so there are times that they don't come to a full agreement that they're okay. And the other piece that we like to talk about is even though there's no agreement, that doesn't mean it wasn't successful because they it could still help those people learn how to communicate and it helps them going forward or maybe something else happened. So just because you didn't get an agreement doesn't mean it wasn't successful. So it sounds like even those that aren't successful is such an infrequent occurrence that it's really not worth tracking. Right. And I don't know if not worth tracking, but I think it sort of depends on the case. I would say when it's been judge ordered, probably there's a little bit higher percentage, but when the parents or not even parents, but when the parties come voluntarily, obviously then it's, they're more likely because they're a little bit more invested in an outcome. Okay. Well, I'm going to put you on the spot here a little bit. If I'm listening to this and I'm thinking, man, I don't know if I want to go to court, I would really rather find a way to, to resolve this amicably, what's my pull? Why do I want to come to ODR? Why do I want to come to a mediation center or go to mediation rather than pursue small claims or some other sort of legal action? One, it is more time efficient. It can be less costly, and you just have more control over it. And the the best part about it, one, if you have an attorney, your attorney can be a part of it, and it does not take away any of your legal rights. So some people actually can start the legal process, but sort of pause that and let's try mediation or restorative justice, more on the mediation side. And if it doesn't work, then they continue with the court side. Thank you, Kelly. Very informative. 
So Kelly Riley has been our guest. She's the director of the Office of Dispute Resolution. Today we talked about the Parenting Act and mediation centers. We look forward to hearing from her again next time when she will go more in depth into restorative justice. Kelly, thank you for being our guest today. Thank you.